Okay, we're in Mark chapter 6, and we're going to look at two feasts. Herod has a feast, Jesus has a feast. And they're kind of set like one right against each other. And I think there's a reason for that. I think there, you know, I want to, t- you, there's plenty of material. I can, t- I can look at Herod and his birthday celebration, and, and that, would be a, that would be enough. And when you take uh, the, the multiplying of the loaves and the fishes, that's, that's enough. But together, it's a lot. So I'm going to talk fast, cover a lot of ground, listen fast. But I think it's made to present as kind of like a, in contrast one with the other. So that's kind of why I'm, not many Calvary pastors do this. So I look at the way others have taught this. It's definitely two teachings. But again, I just want to, so away we go. Let's, without any further ado, let's pray. Father, as we look into your word, we pray your blessing on it. That we understand the things that you want us to understand and know the things that you want us to know. And Lord, even feel the feelings that you want us to feel. I know we're not feeling based, but we have them. And Lord, I I pray that we'd enter in in a way that this would just be explode in our minds and in our hearts. And and Lord, we want to understand. And Lord, at the end of the day, we want to be closer to you. So bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. You remember he had sent them out two by two. It'll be more tolerable for those at Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment from the, for the, for, than for that city that doesn't heed your message, that doesn't listen to what you have to say. And they went out and they did uh, many wonderful works. Verse 12 and 13 says, They preached that men should repent. They cast out many devils, anointed many with oil, many that were sick, and they healed them. Now, that's where we find ourselves in verse 14. King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. Him, that's to say Jesus. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show themselves forth, uh, do show forth themselves in him. Wait, what do you mean John's dead? Now he's going to fill in the blank. He's going to go back and tell us about the death of John. That's how he introduces it here. Uh, with Herod's guilty conscience, he thinks that John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and that's why these mighty works are happening out there. Others said that it is Elijah, and others said that it is a prophet or one of the prophets. But there's always that misunderstanding when it comes to Jesus. I think everyone who's not born again and trusting Jesus fully for the salvation doesn't understand who Jesus is. And I'll stand by that. Um, When I wasn't born again, I didn't really know Jesus. I thought he was Mary's, uh, you know, Mary's boy child. I thought he was like, you know, I always believed he was the second person in the Trinity. I thought many true things about him, but I didn't know him as Savior. I didn't know that he loved me, for instance. I thought that he was really disappointed and mad at me all the time and he had plenty of good reason to be but I didn't know him I didn't know about his love I didn't know about his grace certainly and I think that's always the problem oh he's Elijah he's a miracle worker he's a prophet people still say things like that was Jesus a prophet sure that's your entire extent of the knowledge of him I think your what your understanding is woefully inadequate 
But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. Now it's going to fill in the details of how John died. Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Now Philip is Herod's half-brother. They had the same dad, Herod the Great, by two different women. Uh, Herod had either nine or ten wives. He killed many of his children. He killed many of his wives. He was a butcher. He was a, well, he's the one who sent to, for all the innocents in Jerusalem, to, uh, in Bethlehem, to be murdered two years and under. This is, that's Herod the Great, okay? Uh, not so great in my estimation. By the way, he gave himself that moniker. He was like four foot eleven, uh, and he, so he called himself Herod the Great. He was a great builder, but he was not great in any other significant way. He was a, a godless, wicked man who, as far as I understand, is burning in hell even as we speak. Um, but this is his son. So Herod goes to Rome, and he meets up with this Herodias, who's Philip's wife. And it's also Philip's half-niece. You say, ugh, I know. The Herods, they put the funk in dysfunctional. It is just a... Uh, if you listen, want to listen to like John, um, I mean, Joe Foch's teacher, he goes into who's who and how they're related and what happened and how and who ended up with who. And it's just... And if you can keep that all right in your mind and separate all the Herods, I think you're doing good, but I don't know if it adds anything at the end of the day because I'd go in the same teaching and tell you all the different... I, I can learn that and know that too, but I don't think it's a real benefit. When we talk about Herod, think ungodly, and you're, you're always correct. We don't have a godly Herod, and it's a family name. It's not, so when we talk about Herod, it's not just one guy. There's Herod Philip, then, who's the Tetrarch, and then there's Her Herod Philip, who's not a Tetrarch, and then there's Herod Antipas, and then there's, you know, uh, Herod the Great, and there's, all, so, and there's always this intrigue and all this. I first learned about it when I was studying Josephus, and he goes to all of this one said, this, you know, hey, Dad, this one's trying to kill you because he wants to be the next king. And he was tortured until which time he confessed because if you torture somebody long enough, they'll confess to anything. And then they put him to death. And uh, even Caesar said it would be safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. Uh, he was a bad guy, okay? That's what you need to know. So Herod marries his brother's wife. And John said unto Herod, It is not lawful for me, thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. Listen, have you experienced this? Have you been John the Baptist? This ain't right. What's happening is not right. This isn't legal. This is wrong. This shouldn't be. And what do you get for your trouble? Well, you have your head handed to you. Listen, this is not a godly world. It's never in my lifetime ever been a friend to grace. And now, worse. Now the zeitgeist, the, the, the spirit of the age is antichrist. Is the antichrist alive and well living on planet earth? I'd be very surprised if that wasn't. But I know this for a fact. Whether the Antichrist, the beast of Revelation 13, is alive or not, his spirit is plenty alive and thriving on the earth. The whole of America, and I think the whole of the earth is saying, we will not have this man rule over us. And if you're saying, this is wrong, this is 
objectively wrong and against the Bible, you better be saying something against the, about pro-environment or something like that, or you're on thin ice and you're going to have your head handed to you, and it's not going to be pretty. We have experienced this personally in our family. You've experienced it personally on Facebook or this platform or that. You've either said it or you've posted it. And people, there's always a Herodias out there. Who, who do you think you are? So my advice to you is keep your head in the foxhole. Keep real a low profile. Don't say anything, right? No, you're, you're smiling. You're shaking your head. You know better than that. Say what you got to say, what God's told you to say, and then brace for impact. Because you don't have to do anything for them to hate you. Just the fact that you love Jesus is enough for them to persecute you. You understand that, right? And I have said right along, it's a new day. People talking about getting back to normal. It's a new day. They used to think that we were a benign nuisance, if anything. We don't go to church, but we're glad they go to church. You know, they're singing and whatever else they do. And, and it's good that they meet because eventually somebody's going to die and we're going to have to have a funeral. So we're glad that they, uh, that, that they have church and uh, we're glad that sort of thing goes on. And, you know, it's whatever. They're entertainment. It's, it's fine. Those days have gone. Now you're a blight. Now you're a cancer. Now, you're, the fact that you say there is right and there is wrong puts you in a category that is untenable for them because they have a conscience and they know things are right and they know things are wrong. And every time you say so, they just go all Herodias on you. You know how, you know how it works. And you, you have to say what you have to say. God has given you a platform. But I'm telling you, someone who loves you, it's, 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 it's a new day. It's, now we're not benign. Now we're the enemy. We went from God-fearing, whatever there, whatevs, whatevs going on there at that church, whatevs, to they have to be stopped. They're a menace. What don't you understand about perilous times, children? I've been saying this for a long time. Um, perilous times will come. It says it in the Bible. It says it in the Word of God. God wanted us to know that. Paul writes to Timothy and talks to him about the perilous times. And then he goes on to say, except in America, because them folks there have rights. They have the Bill of Rights. They ain't going in America. They got a constitution. Again, what part of perilous times don't you understand? It's It's... Every time I say, you know, this is right, this is right I, I, I just brace for impact. I know what's going to happen. You got, your, you got your elbow pads, you got your helmet, mouthpiece, cup. Just, it's going to be rough. I'm, I'm telling you, belt in. And, and God bless you. Say what you have to say. John did. Herodias had a quarrel against him. She would have killed him. She couldn't, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy and observed him. When he heard him, he did many things, and he heard him gladly. Isn't that a strange verse? Herod, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he used to say, like, every time you talk about, like, you know, God kind of things, I get all fired up inside. 
It was a witness of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what it was. I, I, I know that for a fact. Fired up is his language. God was moving your heart. You dare not not respond to that. What happens to Herod? He gets Jesus delivered to him after his arrest. When Pilate found out that he was a Galilean, that's Herod's jurisdiction, let's send him to Herod. This man mocks Jesus, and Jesus has nothing to say to a mocker. Nothing at all. You, you, you're convicted by the Holy Spirit, and God's moving in your heart, and you don't move on that, you don't, you don't respond to that, you'll be a mocker eventually. And I just think again, Herod, is he laughing today? Is he mocking today? But that's a story for another time. Let's keep going. He heard him gladly. He, 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 he didn't kill him. He wouldn't let Herodias kill him. He had the conviction of the Holy Spirit that apparently he never responded to. When a convenient day was come, it was a convenient day for Herodias, right? Uh, and that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains and chief estates, uh, of Galilee. Uh, by the way, uh, a birthday celebration is not a Jewish thing in the Bible. It's a, kind of a Gentile thing, so therefore never celebrate your birthday. Uh, I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm done with birthdays. I'll tell you that, okay? I've had uh, six uh, decades of them, and I've had quite enough of them. It's just always a miserable day, and I don't like it, and I'm not really a, a big fan of cake, and we can have it any time we want anyway, so it's just not, and don't look at Sue, she's wonderful, she, that's not the reason I hate birthdays, okay, she will film, fix me up my favorite meal, she'll give me whatever dessert I want, and then people will buy me presents, none of those things are what move me or what excite me and stuff so I mean if it's a day for a family get together yay bring it but don't even mention my birthday I would like from now on going forward hey happy birthday I will accept that and that's all okay and then we're just going to move on with the rest of our lives hate them hate them hate them hate them uh how do you really feel I, I don't know ambivalent anyway uh Herod he made the supper now we're having this feast what does the supper look like bean curd and I, I, you know what? Oh, it's all the all the stuff. He's he's throwing his fancy feast and everything that could be there of the day, the fanciest of foods. It's all there. They got musicians. They got dancing. They got all this stuff. Uh, wonderful. If you were invited, like, hoo-hoo, going to Herod's banquet. It's his birthday. Cool. Oh my goodness, what am I going to get him? What do you what do you buy a king? When the daughter of said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and then had sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it to thee. I bet he's half in the bag. Three sheets to the wind, is that what they say? Uh, and he's promising half his kingdom. He doesn't have a kingdom. He's a Roman citizen like everybody else, and he's been given the rule over Galilee, Okay. He is not a in a position to give her. Is it just a phrase, or is it? Is he? Because I bet Caesar wouldn't like you're going to give this uh, dancing. Uh, uh, I was going to use a bad word there, but I'd, I'd have to fire myself. Um, you're going to give this dancing lady a half your kingdom, huh? I don't think so. Um, now, what, by the way, what's uh, Herodias's daughter's name? Salome. Right? How do you know that? 
It's not in one or the other. Everyone thinks so. And we know her as Salome. It's in Josephus. And I think Josephus is a pretty good historian. That's how we know. Uh, so how old is she? Uh, jo- Josephus says teenager. And what is she dancing? This is like a Shirley Temple, little tap shoe kind of thing, all cute with the little white gloves and little Easter bonnet looking like. I bet it's so cute, right? Her little, no, I bet it was very sensuous and very provocative. And um, So he he's pleased, this lascivious old goat who's married his half-niece. Um, it, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And he's swearing to her, so he's got an oath now. What you ever, whatever you ask me, I'll give it to you. Under the half of my kingdom, she went forth and said to her mother, what shall I ask? I bet she had her own ideas. And her mother said, the head of John the Baptist. What a sweet woman. Wow. Tell me I'm living wrong. See, I'm telling you, that's how it's going to be. But it's always been that way to one degree or another. She came in straightway with haste, said to the king, and asked, saying, I will thou give me by and by in a charge to the head of John the Baptist. Now, charge is not a Chrysler product. It means on a platter. By and by means here and now. Not when you get around with king. She's saying, this is what I want. I want right now the head, not the rest of them, just the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Chip off the old block, huh? By the way, you'd remember that. You'd remember that if you went to a birthday party and they served up somebody's head on a platter. You'd remember that. I think the festivities pretty much stop at that point. Do you think? The king was exceedingly sorrow, uh, sorry, yet for his own sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. Guys, you ever get to that point where you say something, you shoot your mouth off, and then you got to back it up? Be careful what you say. And don't. The right answer is, hey, sweetheart, get out of my face and tell your hideous mother that that is not happening. Is the right answer, in case you were wondering? And I don't care if you took an oath or not. You're just compounding the bad by adding to it. <sighs> Immediately the king sent an execution, commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison. And brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother. Hey, Mom, happy Mother's Day. Is there a good part of the story? This is grisly and disgusting. And, and by the way, if you think of this all the way through, John the Baptist, Jewish. Herod, Edomaean, Idomaean, Edomite, modern-day Jordanian, if you start thinking this all the way through and you start seeing, you know, folding different verses from Revelation, those who are beheaded for the testimony of Christ, and you can come up with some very interesting results there. But anyway, I never thought I'd live long enough to see beheadings. We saw that as things like those, uh, you know, uh, like a thief in the night, those, what is it, 70s kind of stuff, and that's out there. That's far-fetched. I don't think anyone's laughing about that now. Not so far-fetched now. But let's keep moving. 
When his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse, his headless corpse, of course, and laid it in the tomb, respectfully, good. The apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Does Jesus know that John's dead? I'm sure. And I think he's, like you and I would be, really shook. Does he have love for John the Baptist? He's no greater man ever born of woman. And my cousin, and they're related. Uh, if Jesus has a bestie, I'd, I'd say it was John up to that point. I don't know. Uh, they're born a few months apart. They're uh, mothers or cousins. Did they hang out? Did they know each other, go to festival together? Who knows? I think he's really upset. His disciples come back, and they're, you remember, he sent them out in two. So they come back, and they're giving them a report, and they're all excited, you know, and other, other scriptures support that. And he said, come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. We need a vacation, what Jesus is saying. Some say, come apart or you'll come apart. I think it's, it's time for a break. And the boys had just been on this short-term mission trip, right? And he had just learned about the death of his, his, uh, his cousin, the greatest man ever born of, uh, of, of woman. By the way, that's quite a statement. You know, think about Abraham, David, Isaiah, Joshua, John the Baptist. Well, let's keep moving. You know, there were many coming and going. They had no leisure so much as to eat. Jesus has a packed schedule. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And when the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of the cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. So they run ahead to where he's going. The younger ones, no doubt, and the ones like me would join when we could, right? Uh, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and he was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Jesus is all bummed out, like, oh, you know, I can't believe they did this to my cousin and stuff like this. No, Jesus is not about himself. He's about his compassion. By the way, that is the cure to many of our problems. I'm not saying don't be sad when somebody you love dies. I'm not saying that. I wouldn't even think about saying that. You know what? That, what's very helpful? Think about the needs of others. That's what Jesus does. Now he's back in <laughs> ministry mode, he began. To, he, he saw them, they were like a sheep that had no shepherd. And Jesus is a shepherd, and he sees this, and he's, this is no good. And so he goes about and starts ministering. What does he do? He teaches them. Because that's these type of sheep, not sheep, these type of sheep, number one need is that shepherding is that they would know, and so he goes and he goes to teach them. When the day was far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, "This is a desert place. Now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat." This seems very reasonable to me. Okay, it's getting late, Jesus. They they're out here in this desert place. There ain't nothing to eat. No McDonald's. No Wendy's. Can't cater the thing. Nobody's going to be bringing food out this far. They're starving like Marvin. You got to, you know, think about people's needs. I, I, I think this is Jesus isn't rebuking them for this. 
I think they're thinking ahead, and I think it's yay. You know, if they go now, they'll get into some villages. They'll get some. They'll be able to buy some stuff. He answered some of them, "Give you them to eat." Wait, what? You know, look, they never read the story. Okay, uh, you know, we 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 laugh. It, it, you know, the, the the perceived lack of faith by the disciples. They never read the story. You don't know how this is going to end. Jesus hadn't done this miracle. And by the way, this miracle here, the feeding of the five thousand, as it's called, is the first that's recorded in all four gospels. It's it's notable. Give ye them to eat. They said to him, okay, what? wait, what? Uh, and they, they're looking for a solution here. Okay, you're going to, give me some definitions. Here. Give me what you want, okay? I don't manufacture. I don't, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? Say 200 penny worth, that's two bucks. No, a pen. 200 denarius is what he's saying. Denarius is a day's wage. So he's talking about two-thirds of a year's worth of salary, okay? Should, you know, um, uh, eight, you, want to take, you want us to take eight months' worth of pay and buy enough so they, everyone can have something to eat? That's what they're saying. He said to them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they said, five and two fishes. Okay, five loaves. Now, and you know they always have like a, a baguette looking like loaf, you know, or something like this. This is a little boy's. This is a little boy's lunchable. Okay, this is this is okay. There's a mom somewhere, right? Who his little boy come in and said, "Mom, I'm going to follow Jesus." And she, you get right back, hey young man. Did you wash your face and did, did face and hands? And if you're going to go, you better bring some. And this is their version of PB and J. Okay, this is this is mom. Being mom, blessing the world. She didn't know. She's just being mom. Uh, I, I know moms here, your, your ministry is way bigger than any of you would even. Anyway, let's leave that there. We have uh, five loaves and two fishes. Now, there was plenty of food. It was just this little boy just shared his. And then everyone said, oh, well, if he's going to do that. And then some people have this idea that, uh, you know, they all had lunch with him and stuff like this. But, you know, this boy says, well, I'll share and stuff like that. And then it kind of melted their hearts. And people have such a strange idea of Jesus and such a strange idea of the Bible and such. They had... Five loaves and two fishes. Five dinner rolls, okay? Think of these as like um, a little crescent roll, about that, or a bulky roll, something about that size, okay? Not, not a loaf like you would think. And 5,000, okay, how big you make the loaf? It's still not going to be. And two fishes, uh, swordfish or, you know, tuna or something like this. No, sardines. It's a boy's lunch. She didn't send them out with like, you know, a, sh- a whole shark or anything, you know, bluefin tuna. She, this is boy's lunch. He has five loaves and two fishes. Again, not that it would make a difference. When they eat this dinner, they're glutted, the Bible tells us. They eat till they're full. 
You can't do that with five loaves. I can't do that myself with five loaves and two fishes, okay? I can eat to my fill. Never mind, we didn't multiply that by another, you know, add another 4,999 onto that. He commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass, and they sat down ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And by the way, green grass, only Mark mentions grass is green, because he's Mark, don't know. Uh, so they sit down, ready to eat, okay? They have, and I bet, you know, it was hard to do, okay? I want you guys to sit over here. Well, can I sit with that? Yeah, come on over here. And, you know, he's trying to, 50s and 100s. So there's like aisles and stuff. So they're going to distribute this and they're going to be do it in such and such a way that it's going to work out best. Now, again, they never read this. They're thinking like, what's going to happen here? You know, we're going to take these little loaves and we're going <laughs> to rip off the tiniest little, you know, it's going to be like communion, right? You know, you don't get filled up by communion, right? It isn't designed to fill you up. You don't come away from here glutted, physically glutted, unless we're having like a fellowship supper or something like that. And then if you don't, Shame on you, because there's always plenty of food. But anyway, this is a different day. This is this is that's five loaves and two fish. So they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and blessed and break the loaves. And the word is break, broke and kept breaking. Okay, just in case you're wondering. And he gave them to the disciples to set them, and the two fish divided he among them all, and they all did eat, and were filled. The word filled there means glutted. Okay? They had their McFish witch or whatever, and tartar sauce, I don't think so, just fish and loaves. Now compare this to Herod's banquet. Which one would you rather be at? Oh, you have a choice. You have a choice. You can dine with kings and die like Herod died eternally. You can be at the table that Jesus sets. So he did this. Is it a special act of creation? Is it multiplication? Is it... I don't know. I wasn't there. You want to talk about the physics of this? I, I, I don't have anything intelligent to say about that. I know that he can take a little bit and make it much. I talk, I've heard like very t- much testimony of people who tithe. And you know I don't always talk about tithing. And I don't, we, we tithe, and I believe that. And I, but I don't promote that. I don't I want this to be about money all the time. But sometimes, and so people talk about like tithing and like, you know, they enter into it on faith. And it wasn't like somebody, you know, all of a sudden they won the mega box and the money started rolling. It was just like, I instead of not having enough at the end of the month, I, I had enough. I don't, I don't know. And the next, next time we gave it, there was no big, special, miraculous. We just had enough. God knows how to bless, okay? You can't outgive him. I, I think some people say, uh, uh, you know, well, if I give anything to God, I won't have enough. I'm thinking like, what universe is that even a thing? I mean, you think you think all the way through. That's just silly. Uh, we we give to God, and and because you know how it is, living in that cardboard box we live in, and eating oatmeal three times a day, and we never have enough because that's how God is. He's so stingy. He doesn't know how to bless. How how silly are we? Um, some people have made this analogous to their lives. 
you know, we give to God. What does he do? Well, first he takes it, our life. And then he breaks it. Wait, what? He can't use us in our condition that we're in right now. Because then we're going to think it's all us. Look at how awesome I am and look at how much God's using me. I'm so awesome. When you're broken, you realize there's nothing in you commendable. There's nothing in you blessable. God is doing the work and God gets the glory and God alone. Then he can use us. He's got to break us. And then he can pour us out to a multitude. We can affect lives that we have no idea. We can bless people to their sated. Um, but I think it's really about loaves and fishes. I mean, there's a lot of things that's analogous. What are you doing? Because I, one of the things I do like for my life is I'm a bread distributor. I didn't make the bread. I, I didn't break the bread. I didn't bake the bread. I didn't, I didn't design bread. I didn't, it wasn't my idea. But we break the bread of life. That's what we do. Imagine when they're passing out bread. Just don't get your bacteria and your biology all over it. You know what I mean? They didn't have a sense of that like we have a sense of germs and stuff like that. They, they, you know, they would break bread literally and they would dip in the same and they could double dip and they'd, you know, rip off a piece of bread and they'd, and they had this, you know, little thing that they were eating out of and stuff like that. When they, uh, fellowship together, it was a lot more intimate, a lot closer. You know, they were eating from the same loaf. They were sharing life together. And they really were sharing life together in the sense of all kinds of, um, yeah, they washed their hands. Yeah. Yeah, they washed their lips and their mouth out when they double dipping and stuff like that. You remember when Jesus, you know, dips the sop and he says, who I give it to? Uh, that It's a piece of bread that he was eating right along and he broke off a piece and handed it right to Judas. So by the way, it was right handy to Jesus, obviously. He didn't toss it down the end of the table. He had Judas sitting in a place of honor. But that's another story for another time. They were very intimately connected. We're going to have dinner with some friends, some dear friends, but we'll all have our own silverware. You know, it'll be, it'll be good that way. This is nodding vigorously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to share nothing. Uh, hey, you want to taste that? No, no, no. I don't want anything off your plate. We're, we're all good here. So don't get your biology all over it. That's all. I, and I don't know. It's a very, very hard thing to share the word of God and tell you what it means and not become part of the story. But I don't think that's what exactly what God... I mean, you can use a story that happened to you to illustrate a Bible point. And I think that's entirely valid. But I don't want it... You know, this is really dear to me, and this is really... But this here is not. And so I kind of reject this, and I kind of... I don't want my own imprint over Scripture. That's not valid. It's not my... It's not my word. I don't want to change it. I want to add to it. I certainly don't want to detract from it. I don't want to. It's God's word. And all I got to do to be faithful to God, and all you've got to do to be faithful to God is deliver the bread. Just deliver the bread. Look, uh, speak into darkness and bring light. What do you mean? Well, that's what God did. He spoke into the darkness and light came. Um... Adam, I'm not God. I can't create. No, no, but you can do this. You can see a dark situation, sin, even if it's got to do with the king and Herodias and all that, you can see a dark situation and you can speak life into it. 
You can speak light into it. What should I use? What did God use? He used his word. Let's use his word. Light will come. A lot of times we share our opinions and we try to argue people in the kingdom. Use the Bible. Use a verse. It has power. The, the, ver- the seed gives life, not your opinion, not my opinion. The seed. Give a verse. Well, they, they say they don't believe in the Bible. It will work whether they believe in it or whether they don't believe in it. I've seen so many times where somebody says, well, I don't believe in that nonsense. And I speak a verse and I see somebody like undone with a verse that they didn't even believe was the Word of God, but God used it and it had an effect on their lives, whether they believe it or not. It's the Word. It has the, the seeds in the Word. The Word's in the seed. The, they're connected. You can't, and our opinion, God doesn't bless our opinion. He blesses His Word. Use, your, use the Word of God. Do you have to give them like uh, Job 27, 11? Or your, they don't care about Job. They don't care about your knowledge of what chapter. And, give them the Word. Do you have to say it in King James English? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think what you have to give them is the Word. And the Word will have its effect. And they People are getting blessed. They're getting filled. They're getting like, oh, I can't eat. Hey, another, you know, little, you know, fish sandwich here. No. <laughs> they're, they're like all Thanksgiving down. I hope they all have stretchy pants like I like to wear on Thanksgiving because, you know, wear your sweats because you'll need them and you'll sweat. And it's just, it's, it's horrible. And we just do so. Anyway, they did it all eat and they were filled. This is a culture that's never had filled before. They don't eat till they're filled. The Herods might, but the workaday people don't. They don't eat till they can't eat anymore. This is kind of a Western thing. You go to a buffet, all you can eat. I don't anymore. We've gone to them frequently, and I figure, like, unless I can, if I can walk out of the restaurant on my own power, I've wasted money, you know. Prop me up on the behind a wheel, I'll drive home if I can just, uh, it's ridiculous. We're not supposed to eat all we can eat. Uh, We should certainly not do that all the time, but there's a culture that never had that, like, what is this feeling I got? This is crazy, like, and Jesus blesses us to the point where we can't take it in anymore. Isn't that how he does? Isn't that how awesome he is? Isn't that how good Jesus is? I told you before, he gives us all our needs and even some of our greeds. He's just a blessing God. What do we do? Give him a life that he can bless. He won't bless our rebellion. He won't bless our sin. But he's a loving heavenly father. He's not against us. He's for us. He knows how to give us all good things, even to the point of, Filled, they were filled. They took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fish. Why? It was blessed. He gave thanks. He broke it. He blessed it. It's, I, I kind of figure the same way, you know. Every fourth of it, probably once a week, she empties the refrigerator out of all the good stuff. She served me all week long, and there's leftovers, and we have to, you know, I don't want to throw away food. I'm not that wealthy, too. I figure it's like blessed. I think it's kind of a holy thing. Don't you feel that way? Um, I, I, don't, I don't really, you know, growing up and you had to eat everything in your plate, I, I just don't think it's a good, I, I don't know. 
uh, yeah, there are starving people. I always figure that's kind of like adding insult to injury, you know, just throwing away food that people would love to have. Um, but I think that's a godly thing. You know, it says in the Bible that, you know, a man takes care of his game and it's very uh, uh, precious to him. All that, you know what I mean? Uh, we could just, we're just so wasteful here in the West and I just... Uh, yay, thanks, thank you, Lord, for, for giving us so much, but I still don't think it's a good idea to... But you pray and go figure that out yourself. They took up 12 baskets. 13 baskets? Nope, 12. By the way, this is a basket. Like, uh, think about your lunch kettle there, you know, that you take to work every day if you're a blue-collar guy like me. It's not a basket. Like, you know when Paul, they hit him in a basket and let him down over the wall there at Damascus? It's not that basket. It's like a, a a basket, like lunch. And they, I'm sure, they reconfigured. Everyone's gone on now and stuff. And they had a, and they were busy. They were running around feeding everybody. Hey, can I get some more fish over here? I need more bread. And they're running, 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 working up a, and you know, the workman's worthy beside. Now it's their dinner time. And I bet Jesus asked one of them, "Go ahead and ask the blessing." And, they were amazed. They ain't never seen nothing like this before. What? And they did eat of the loaves who were about 5,000 men. And of course, it doesn't mention the women and children, but think about like, you know, <laughs> your house. But when my boys were very, very young, you know, four and five and six, you know, dad would have half of the food because uh, that's the way it worked out. I didn't, nobody went without, don't get me wrong. You know, I didn't, take food off their plate. You can't eat that. I want more. It wasn't like that. But you know how men are, you know, grown men. Uh, they, when they got to high school, they rivaled me, okay? It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like uh, that happened that way forever. But the, men, the man has the lion's share of the food because we're men. That's how it works. And if, not always in every situation, of course. Um, but I eat all my food at like the restaurant, half of hers, <laughs> very often too. It's just the way it works out. Uh, and so what are, what are you thinking? I think it's like 30,000 people here. If there's 5,000 men, there's ostensibly 5,000 women. Or if it's like church, <laughs> more women, uh, always, every church I've ever been into, um, usually. Uh, and then there's kids involved. And we always think of kids, oh, okay, 1.2. No, that's so Western. You know, Jesus comes from a family of at least seven. And I think his family's probably pretty typical. You know, double-digit children isn't anything to like, that's no big, th it's a big thing here. It's not a big thing there at that time. I think there were a lot of kids around stuff. So he, there was 5,000 men, but there was a lot of people. And, uh, but there was enough to go around. God still sets a table in the wilderness. Is that right? Let's take out one more idea and I want us to look at. In uh, Luke. Luke, 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 chapter 14. Came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees, he bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. And he heals this guy and he gives a... There's a big hullabaloo. And uh, he explains why he 
heals in verse 5, but they couldn't answer him because they never can answer him. By the way, if you're arguing with God, you're going to run out of, you're going to lose, okay? Just He put forth a parable of those that were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief room, saying to them, when thou art bidden of a man to a wedding, sit not down at the highest room, lest thou come. Uh, this is the wedding chapter, the, the, the feast chapter, okay? He's at a feast. He's telling you how to go to a feast. When you're, when, you're, uh, when you're invited, go to the lowest place. An, an honorable man's going to come, and then they're going to make you take the lowest place. So take the lowest place first, because you can only go up from there, and he says that in verse 11. And he says, when you have a feast, in verse 12, when thou makest the dinner or supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brother, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made for thee. Don't do that with the idea of like, well, they invite me back, and that'll be a really good thing. When thou makest the feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Why? Because that's the way God does it, and I'm going to show you that here in a second if I get to it. And you'll be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. And when one of them sat at meat with him, heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Where does this guy get this idea? Oh, there's a lot of scripture. And by the way, he's right. This guy's right. Jesus doesn't rebuke him. And he said to them, A certain man had a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to come to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. Great supper, great feast. It's all prepared. Come on in. This is like, oh man, what a time we're going to have. This is like the fatted calf feast. You know, there's music, there's festivities, there's merriment, there's food, there's, oh, what a time. So he sent his servants. Come on, let's go. We're, we're all, everything's ready. And they all, with one consent, begin to make excuse. You say, why would somebody do that? I don't know. Why do people do it now? I don't know. Why do people do it now? With one consent, they began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have brought five yoke of oxen, and I, I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. These are kind of half-baked excuses. Because your wife, she don't eat food, right? I bought a piece of ground. I got to go see it. The reason people don't come to the Lord, the excuses are half-baked. And I think he's hinting at that. So that servant came and showed his Lord all these things, and the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets, the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. Is this God's assessment of us? I think he's overrating us, but that's my own take on this. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go into the highways, the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. And when we're around the throne of God, it's every kindred and tongue and nation and family and group and every last tribe and every nation's represented because that's the way God wants it. Every tongue will be spoken in front of the, in front of the, uh, the throne. Compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Listen, there's a, there's a supper that, you know, Zechariah says that he's going to serve us and he's going to joy over us in singing. 
and there's going to be food, and there's going to be no calories, and there's going to be no heartburn, and you'll love it, and there'll be plenty. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb, and there's still, listen, it's just a simple choice. That's all it is. And the people say, look, I, I, I bought some ox. I got to go prove them. Ah, listen, I'm, real, I'm super busy. I'm sure whatever you got going on is a wonderful thing. I haven't got time for that. At what point do you have time for the Lord? No, we, the answer is, wait, you want me to come to a feast? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll drop whatever I'm doing. This sounds exciting. This sounds wonderful. And, and just think about it. Jesus on the mic, right? The Lord himself will joy over us in singing, and he'll serve us, and it will be... Look, God knows how to bless us. He knows how to bless us in the here and now. He'll show know how to bless us then. Let's stand. Let's sing to this great God who gives us all the things we need, and he's quite capable. Are you struggling financially right now? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He wants to bless us. Will he take us through some lean times? Well, sometimes he will to teach us some things. He's a good father. He, he'll, he'll, he'll show us how to be good ministers and good uh, stewards, I should say, over, over his... But he loves us. Remember that. He's, he can bring about an unexpected end to our, our situation. Lord, we thank you. We see these two feasts. Um, the... The, our choice is, I mean, they're stark, and our choice is obvious. I pray that everyone's choice would be obvious. Lord, uh, many don't know who you are. And they think of you as a prophet or this thing or that thing or this one or that one. Lord, that you might be gracious and shine the light into their lives and show them how good and how loving and how and exactly who you are, Lord, and who you are to them. And Lord, use us. Use us. We want to be, we want to break the bread of life. We want to be bread deliverers. We want to, we want to be part in this, Father. And we want you to touch a multitude through us. Now, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.